I'm talking to you about what men want, uh, the title of my series. I'll continue it next Sunday, and I'm going to be encouraging and uh, honoring all the men, especially fathers. So do what you can to get your father, your sons here, and make them come to the house of God. Real men don't go to the lake on Father's Day. They go to the house of God, right? That was sure weak. That was weak. Yeah, I'll take what I can get. What men want. Um, men have very deep God-given needs. I talked to you about some of those last week. Desires and dreams that are beyond themselves. Men want an inner sense of significance and proficiency. We all know that we can't do everything, but we know we can do something. And we all need to have some areas of our life we believe we're proficient in. Because whatever area in your life you believe you're proficient in, that you do well in, that you enjoy and that others benefit from, from that area you draw a sense of significance and you draw a sense of, of, of manhood and a sense of value. And so, uh, you know, a man ought to know what he's good at. He ought to know what he brings to the table. He ought to know what he's proficient at. And, and be able to draw out of that area. Now, if you, should, if you move your, your, your lens over to the areas that maybe you're not so good at and, and uh, others in, other men in your family excel at and your wife constantly reminds you that your other men in the family are excelling that, if you move your, your lens to that area and that's all you focus on, it reduces the level of manhood, the level of significance, the level of, of value that you have within yourself. So by knowing what you're proficient at and what you do well and guarding that and making sure you always do it well, you can draw strength and courage and motivation from that. And that's the motivation you use in the areas of maybe you struggle in that you're not naturally as gifted toward. So know what you're proficient in and draw manhood from that area. It will help you a great deal. Men want to respect themselves. A man is unhealthy to say the least if he doesn't respect himself. And sometimes we men do things that discount the self-respect factor. But men need to respect themselves. And uh, you have to guard the respect you have for yourself. We need to be respected by others. We need to be appreciated. And we need to be admired for something. Because all of that is what keeps our engine running as a man and keeps us moving forward in our life and constantly improving and doing what we do even better. You know, we have the DNA of our Heavenly Father. And uh, the better sons of God we are, the better husbands and fathers we are. But it starts with being a good son. And the better you are as a son of God, the better you're going to be as a husband and as a father. So sometimes we try to work on the end when we need to work on the beginning. And the beginning is learning to be the best son that you can be. I might talk to you more about that next week. And so uh, men have needs and we have to understand what those needs are and live in such a way that we generate self-confidence, self-respect, and a sense of self-worth and value. I want to talk to you about the story of Joseph. Now, you remember how Joseph was his father's favorite son. And Joseph 
was betrayed by his other brothers and uh, his older brothers, and they sold him into slavery. Just unimaginable that older brothers could sell their youngest brother into slavery. But they hated him so much. They were so jealous and resentful of him, they sold him into slavery. Well, the slave owners would carry him to Egypt, and uh, there he would be a slave for the rest of his life. But because Joseph had character, he had ability, and he had a, a relationship with God, God would use him and bless him, and there would be a buoyancy in his life. And even though he was thrown in the deepest pit, he would ultimately rise to the highest height of success in the nation of Israel, of Egypt, all because of the favor and the blessings of God upon his life. And so at the end of his life, or in the last chapter of his life, he was in prison, but had arisen to be the overseer of the prison. And um, it was in that setting that he met the servants of, of the Pharaoh of Egypt. He interpreted a dream for them, and one of them remembered that dream and was restored to Pharaoh's side. And on an occasion when Pharaoh had a dream that he knew was very significant but had no idea what it meant, the servant of the Pharaoh remembered there was a man in prison that could interpret dreams, that had a walk with God, a spiritual sense and knowledge, and that he might be able to help Pharaoh. So Pharaoh called for Joseph, brought him out of the prison. They dressed him up, cleaned him up, and put him in clothing that was worthy of meeting with a Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh said, I heard that you are able to interpret dreams. I've had a dream. No one can interpret for me. And I want to ask you if you can interpret this dream. And Joseph said to him, I cannot interpret your dream, but God knows the interpretation and he will tell me. And so Daniel prayed, and we don't know exactly how that happened, but he sought the Lord at some degree, and God gave him the interpretation of the dream. It was a dream about seven fat cows and seven lean cows. And the, the significance of the dream was that the nation of Israel, Egypt excuse me, was going to go through seven years of phenomenal prosperity. But following that, there would be seven years of devastating famine. And so the wisdom of Daniel, of Joseph was, put back all the grain you can in the seven years of plenty and be ready for the seven years of famine. And I want to read to you Pharaoh's response when he heard the interpretation of the dream and the wisdom that Joseph was giving him for the nation. This is in Genesis chapter 41, verse 38. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Can we find anyone else like this man who is obviously filled with the Spirit of God. So here Dan, uh, Joseph is in a very wicked society, a very ungodly culture. He is a slave. He is the subject of betrayal by his family, 
total abuse, racial bias. I mean, he was at the bottom. But yet he had a walk with God and he had the Spirit of God living inside of him and the Pharaoh recognized something about him that was different and distinct and he said, I see the Spirit of God inside of this man, Joseph. Joseph was obviously filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say obviously. Spirit-filled men do not wear camouflage. They are obvious. Spirit-filled men are not secret agents. They're not covert. They are very overt. Being filled with the Spirit means that you cannot hide, that you are obvious. It doesn't mean you're obnoxious. There's no value in being obnoxious as a Christian. Have you ever met an obnoxious Christian? Have you? You've never met an obnoxious Christian? I have. And we love them and bless them and forgive them, and we try not to be embarrassed by them. But from them I learned there is no value in being obnoxious. But I've also learned from other Christians that being in camouflage and being hidden and try to be a, a secret agent for God, there's no value in that either. I believe Daniel represents the model for manhood, to be obviously filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe that men of God today should be filled with the Spirit at a level that it is obvious and can't be hidden. Spirit-filled men are faithful, they're capable, and they're dependable. Spirit-filled men have character. They have self-discipline. They have a good work ethic. They have morals, and they have a character. Spirit-filled men have wisdom. They have answers. They have solutions. And uh, I just believe that a spirit-filled man, man has access to knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and solutions that maybe other men doesn't have. Here's a great example. You already know what it is. Wi-Fi. Google. I read the other day a man said, I don't need Google. I have a wife. <laughs> Google is where we go and we ask questions and we get information. And I'm amazed at what I can get in just a matter of seconds, the information that I can get from Google. I just Google it, and there it is. And it's almost any subject that you want, you can Google it, and it'll give you a, a list of places to go and find your answer. It's amazing. Listen, the Holy Spirit is far greater than Wi-Fi and has all information far exceeds the massive amount of information Google has access to. And so a spirit-filled man can pray and God can download something into his spirit that he wouldn't have otherwise known. You know, you can Google health matters and before you know it, you think you're a stinking doctor. You can diagnose yourself and diagnose your family and tell them what to do and what not to do and explain it all to them. All that's wonderful, but Google doesn't make you a doctor. It just gives you access to information you wouldn't otherwise have. The Holy Spirit gives you access to information you wouldn't otherwise have. And so when you're in your business, your work functioning in your career, you're facing difficulties, relational challenges, we go to God and say, Father, give me a download. I want to Google heaven and find out what we need to do in this situation. Give me background information, give me understanding, and help me walk through this with wisdom. Those are the benefits of a spirit-filled man. 
A spirit-filled man has buoyancy in his life. You know the story of Joseph, if you've read the book of Genesis, how that he started out as being a favorite youngest son. He was betrayed by brothers, thrown into a pit. They pulled him out of the pit. They sold him into slavery. He was moved, uh, taken by, by force into Egypt. He was sold to a man named Potiphar, betrayed by Potiphar's wife, and then he was put in prison, and then, then he was raised from the lowest of the prison to pretty soon he's the warden of the whole prison, he's the steward of the whole thing. Why is it that every time you push him down, he comes back up? Why is it that every time it seems like he's going lower, he ends up higher? What looks like the worst thing can happen opens up a door for the greatest thing that's ever happened. Because he has buoyancy in his life. You know, if an obstacle has buoyancy in its DNA, in its makeup, you push it under the water, you let it go, and it shoots back up to the top. Because it is buoyant. Its structure, its, its makeup is buoyant. Not all material is buoyant. A rock is not buoyant. A, a chunk of metal isn't buoyant. A ball isn't buoyant if it's a hard ball. But if it's a basketball with air in the middle, it's buoyant. So you throw it in the water and the basketball floats. God puts a buoyancy in you because it doesn't matter who you are or what road in life you walk, at some point, the world, the devil, or something is going to push you underneath the surface. But the devil can only hold you down so long if you have a buoyant force built into you. You're coming back up to the top. So what we see in Joseph's life was he had buoyancy. They push him down, he comes back up. They push him down again, he comes back up. And every time he comes back up, he was at a little bit higher level and a little closer to where God wanted him to be. And so he ends up coming out of prison and going into becoming the most powerful person outside of Pharaoh himself in the Egyptian empire because he had buoyancy. I want to inspire you men and ladies too. I want to inspire you that when God saved you and made you a child of God, he put in you buoyancy. And things may happen and you may feel like that you're having to hold your breath till you get back to the top. But you are coming back to the top because there is a buoyancy of God inside you that's going to raise you up. Can you say amen? amen. <clears throat> Spirit-filled men create wins for other people. Um, the Bible said that when Joseph was in Potiphar's house, that Joseph had did better than he had ever done. He had never done as well as when he made Joseph the steward or the manager of all of his affairs. And the prison overseer, when he let the prison go into Joseph's hand, the prison was cleaner and neater and had less problems than it ever had, and he went on a long vacation because Joseph had it. And then, of course, when Joseph was promoted to the palace and became the prime minister of all of Egypt, Egypt flourished, Egypt prospered, Egypt had an abundance. And then when the seven years of famine came, they were able to reach into the stockpile that Joseph had created, and he fed the poor, and he fed the nation for seven years. Because a man filled with the Spirit creates wins for other people. 
His life makes other people's lives better. It isn't what his life is as much as the impact we have on other people's lives. I believe a spirit-filled man makes a win for other people. You are a blessing. You are a gift. You make other people's lives better because the walk you have with God. That's the legacy of a spirit-filled man. A spirit-filled man is greatly rewarded in life. Uh, You suffer, pay a big price, have disappointments, uh, make mistakes, have a a series of regrets that you, you have to manage, but you're greatly rewarded in life. Joseph suffered the loss of his family. He suffered the loss of being raised in the household of his, of his father. He suffered the loss of, of friendship with his brothers and his family and living in the home and the, the geography he had chosen. He, had to, he never got that back. He never got that back. Um, he, couldn't, he didn't get to replace his young years. The betrayal by his brothers, the, the, the humiliation of being driven as a slave. I mean, he never got that back. The time he spent in prison, he never got that back. So things happened that he never got back. That was lost. But God rewarded him abundantly. And he may not have gotten back things that he lost when he was young, but God rewarded him and divinely counterbalanced his loss. I hope you'll remember this terminology and things I say along the way about it. How that God is a God of divine counterbalance. So that when something really bad happens on this side, God lets something really good happen over here and he brings a counterbalance. So something bad happened in your life. God has something wonderful that will weigh equally good and will help bring it back in balance. You may have gone through a tragedy or a trial or a difficulty or a loss or a death or a divorce or an abuse or uh, uh, lots of things happen. And it's, it's a heavy weight and it's going to be there and, and it's not going away. It's, it's part of your history and, and time isn't coming back and, and that's never going to be changed. It's history, it's written. But God is a God of divine counterbalance and he, he lets wonderful things happen that bring your life into balance. And you say, you know, I had these horrible things that happened, but I had all these wonderful things that God has given me. And somehow they have counterbalanced the bad. God is a God of divine counterbalance. And so whatever bad thing might be happening, just get ready. Be hopeful and expectant. Believe that God's going to let good things happen that's going to counterbalance the bad. Can you say amen? <clears throat> so I want to give you um, 10 traits of a spirit-filled man, and I should have 10 slides for that. A spirit-filled man has submitted every area of his life to the Lordship of Christ. A spirit-filled man has submitted every area of his life to the Lordship of Christ. Every area. A spirit-filled man's totally given over to God, and God is the Lord, the governor of every area. We don't hold anything back and say, I'll give you this, but I I, I need to hold on to this. You can tell me what to do in this area, but in this area, this is kind of mine. 
we give everything to God and allow Him to be the Lord of that area of our lives. Secondly, a spirit-filled man has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. First, you get saved by giving your life to Christ, believing with all of your heart on the Lord Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins and becoming a child of God, you get saved. Secondly, you get water baptized. That's where you, may, you have an outward experience, uh, an outward show, a display of an inward experience. It's where your, your salvation is enacted in that watery grave where the old man is buried and a new man comes to life. Thirdly, you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and God's power and spirit comes into your life and you are enormously filled with the great glorious power of Almighty God. So a spirit-filled man has received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you're a man that is obviously a Christian, you've given your life to the Lord, you've been water baptized, you're missing out on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So as we finish this service today on Pentecost Sunday, the, 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 the anniversary of when the Holy Spirit was originally poured out, the baptism, if you want to receive the baptism of the Spirit, our prayer partners are going to be here and we'll pray for you to, to be baptized in the Holy Spirit before you leave here today. It's a promise of God. A spirit-filled man is baptized in the Holy Spirit. A spirit-filled man is living a disciplined life of prayer. The Bible says pray continually, pray always. And um, much of who we are as men of God is a reflection of the prayer life we have. It takes a routine of prayer. It takes a, a ritual of prayer. Not pray when you feel like it, when it's convenient, when you get time and when you think about it. But prayer has to be a ritual. It has to be a routine, a way of life. A spirit-filled man continuously studies the Bible. Uh, we're learners. We want to grow. We want to walk with God. And um, the Word of God keeps me in between the ditches and points me in the right direction. So a spirit-filled man continuously is studying the Bible. A spirit-filled man is functioning in his spiritual gifting. We all have spiritual giftings, multiple gifts. We call this a gift mix. So you have various spiritual gifts operating in your life uniquely and wonderful, and each one of them at different levels of, of frequency and intensity. Uh, and so as you walk with God, you learn what your spiritual gift mix is. And a spirit-filled man is functioning comfortably in his spirit in his gift mix. He knows what they are. He enjoys functioning in those gifts. And he knows that's something I give back to the world. I give to my family and I give back to the people of God. We've got to be comfortable in our spiritual gifting. A spirit-filled man has resolved to be morally pure. We understand that we men easily lose our moral purity and we have to hold on to it. And not just when we're young, but every day that we live, we have to hold on to that. A spirit-filled man is committed to moral purity for a lifetime. A spirit-filled man serves as a spiritual leader of his home. Um, mothers and wives are spiritual uh, strongholds and they're, they're rocks and they're important and they are leaders. But it's up to the man to be the spiritual leader of the home. And I encourage men to lead your home, not follow. A spiritual man serves in the house of God. As you have spiritual giftings and abilities, motivations and, and interest and, and opportunity, serve in the house of God because you are a man of God. Number nine, a spirit-filled man maintains a good report among believers. It does matter what other people think about us. It does matter what other people think about us. Sometimes people say, oh, you shouldn't care what other people think. 
Well, I don't care what everybody thinks, but I care about what people think. I, I sure do. Uh, the Bible teaches we're to live in such a way that there's a good report from people around us. He said live in such a way you do care about what people think. Now, I don't care what about everybody thinks because some people are crazy. There's a lot of goofballs out there. There's more and more. I think they're multiplying on us. But the point is, I do care what people think, and I want to live in such a way that I, I have the respect of the public. And the Spirit-filled man, number 10, strives to be faithful and fruitful stewards in life. To be faithful, in, to be faithful and fruitful stewards. So I want to be fruitful. I want to be faithful and fruitful. In other words, I want what I do to multiply and do well. I want to live in abundance. I want to have plenty. I want people around me to be blessed. I want to be faithful and I want to be fruitful. And then someday, I want to hear the Father say, well done, good and faithful servant. Can you say amen? You can close your Bibles now and I'll bring us to a close. <clears throat> I think a man comes to a point in his walk with God that if he's not careful, he just kind of levels off. I think we as men just kind of, we get saved, we get to that place where we're really making ground, we're studying, we're praying, we're learning, we're developing, and uh, we're growing. But there's this place where you hit, you're just kind of uh, satisfied, and you level off. And um, if you stay level too long, you start losing ground. So remember that. If I stay level too long, I'm going to start losing ground. Because you're not made to live level, you're made to live on the incline. And if you get level and you stay there too long, inevitably you're going to be on the decline. So we're just made to move forward. I think a man of God needs to decide, are you going to be a, a, a Navy SEAL or a 30-year-old Boy Scout? Now, no offense to the Boy Scouts, but it's called Boy Scout for a reason because it's about boys, right? But Navy SEALs is about men. And spiritually speaking, you know, I want to be a Navy SEAL. I don't want to be a Boy Scout man of God. I want to be a Navy SEAL. And there's a lot of difference in, in the, the mindset and the maturity and the ability of a Navy SEAL, obviously, than a Boy Scout. And uh, I want to encourage men to say, you know what? For God, I want to be a Navy SEAL. For God, for my family, for myself, I want to be a Navy SEAL. I want to have stood the test. I want to have proven myself. I want to be trained. I want to be ready for any mission that he calls me to. You know, one of the things that I admire about President Obama was when we had a military opportunity to go into Pakistan and take out Osama bin Laden. And our president had to make a very risky, difficult decision to go into Pakistan without their permission risk an international incident, risk failure, and go get Osama bin Laden. And then, having made that decision, he invested his confidence into some Navy SEALs. Of course, the whole military was involved, but there were six men that he invested um, his confidence in, and he put the, the future of the nation in their hands. And he said, I want you to go into Pakistan, and I want you to take out Osama bin Laden. And of course, you know that that's exactly what they did. And it changed the history of the world because they took out. But it came down to just a handful of Navy SEALs. The biggest job that any military man had ever been asked to do came on the radar screen. And it came down to 
a few Navy SEALs that said, we can do it, we're ready. Now, I don't know what big jobs God may have coming up. I don't know what big opportunities, responsibility, what dangerous missions he has. I don't know what God has. I just want to be ready so that if he needs something important done, he might think of me. He might call my name. He might invest his confidence in me and say, this is a very important task. And I believe you can get it done for us. There's a lot at stake, but I believe you can do it. That's a Navy SEAL. And that's the kind of Christian that I want to be. I want to live in such a way that if God has something important to do, he said, I believe I can trust you. You're ready. You're trained. You got what it takes. I'm going to let you have it. Go do it for us. That's the kind of person that I want to be. And I'd like to inspire you to be the same. Please bow your heads. Father, I thank you for the nearness of your presence. For your spirit that hovers over us right now. I pray, God, that you would extend your hand and your finger touch the hearts of men today touch the hearts of men today inspire them to be Navy SEALs for you Lord get us ready for anything you need us for we're ready even to die if that's what it takes for you and your cause and your kingdom in the earth bless the men of triumph Give them grace and favor. Give them great faith. Great courage. I pray that your spirit would empower them to move their life and their walk with you ahead. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen.